welcome to HeyYA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest non-screen adaptations, HeyYA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. HeyYA is a book riot podcast hosted by Erica Azafetti and me, Tears of Price, and we are recording this on December 16th. Hello, Erica. Hello, Tirza. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm sick. No. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's okay. I guess it had to happen eventually. Oddly enough, I have not really gotten sick since the pandemic started. Not with, like, a cold or anything like this. So I got you. I finally got to you. I don't know if it's COVID, but something got me. It's got a hold of me. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, so miserable. Yeah. And I have been cuddled up reading and or playing video games to soothe myself. So as you should. Right. Exactly. I think it's speeding the recovery process. Naturally. Naturally. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You got to rest and these things help you just help restore. So Mm -hmm. it's always a good time. Just slow down. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's um, okay. But this is our final full episode of mm. the year, which is wild to think about. It is. Oh, this year. I oh know. My goodness. It has yeah. been a year. This is our first yeah. full year of podcasting together because we Ooh. started, yeah, we started as sort of at the end of 2021. So mm-hmm. um, it's been a good year, though. I think it's been great. I think we've had some great episodes. Looking forward to some new good ones. Also, I feel like this year, I'm like, it, this year is just now ending. I'm like, I feel like <laughs> this year has been at least two years long. Yeah, I don't know. Like the yep. begin, like to think of January 2022. I'm like, huh. I'm pretty sure that was three years ago. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. It does. It's it's felt like an age. So yes. Um, but we, yeah, we're here and we're going to continue in the. Um, I was about to say tradition, but it will really only be our second year doing this of sharing <laughs> our favorite books that we read in 2022. But before we do that, we're going to talk about our news item of the day, which is that Yalza has Mm -hmm. announced the 2023 William C. Morris finalists, um, which is very exciting. So the William C. Morris Award is an honor for the, like, basically best YA debuts. Um, So they usually announce the winner at... Uh, ALA's Midwinter when they do all of like the Prince and Newberry and Calicut mm-hmm. announcements. So this year the finalists are The Life and Crimes of Hoodie Rosen by Isaac Bloom, The Summer of Bitter and Sweet by Jen Ferguson, Wake the Bones by Elizabeth Kilcoyne, The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School by Sonora Reyes, and Hell Followed With Us by Andrew Joseph White. So I've read one of those books, um, but they all sound great. Mm -hmm. Hell Followed With Us, I have the arc of that. I've been meaning to read it. It came out a minute ago. But I haven't read any of these. I'm slacking. And I keep saying that I'm going to read The Lesbian's Guide to Catholic School. 
and I keep not having done it yet. <laughs> it's so good. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So I need I'm to gonna, get on that. Yeah. You're going to hear more about how much I love that book in a yes. minute. But yes. yeah. And I just actually ordered the Summer of Bitter and Sweet from my library. So Ooh, yeah. Nice. We'll see how many of these I actually read before the announcements oh, of yes. the winners. But that is a solid lineup of mm-hmm. great sounding debuts and great debuts that we know of from reading experience so yeah yeah it sounds like too like um like a diversity of like topics too like they're all different oh yeah and genres yeah yeah exactly for sure excellent yeah excellent excellent yeah so all right let's move into our favorite books of the year Mm -hmm. but first let's hear from our sponsor Today's episode is brought to you by Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publisher of the smash hit Fourth Wing. You'll only cross these blades once in a page-turning new tale of revenge strategy and so many lies. Best-selling Red Tower Books is releasing its next year's will read that will capture your imagination and keep you guessing until the end. May Corlin's Five Broken Blades tells an intricate high-stakes tale of five total strangers united in a plot that will test their strength, wits, and courage. Each has their reasons, all have secrets. But while it's easy to portray a stranger, it's not so simple to stab a friend or a lover, okay, in the back. Now these five blades must choose between vengeance and one another. Pick up five broken blades by Mae Corlin for a thrilling, adventurous tale filled with risk, romance, adventure, and oh, so many lies. The relationships in it are complex and nuanced and involve everything from friends to enemies found in biological family and lovers and more. Thanks again to Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publishers of the smash hit Fourth Wing for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest-paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. And before we get into today's episode, if you're looking for the perfect gift for the book nerd in your life, gift tailored book recommendations. Your special someone will tell our professional book nerds, we call them bibliologists, about what they love and what they don't, what their reading goals are, and what they need more of in their bookish life. Then they sit back while our bibliologists go to work selecting books just for them. Make sure to visit mytbr.co slash gift to give the gift of books. Again, that's mytbr.co slash gift. Okay, so every year when I do or when we talk about like our 
like favorite books or like end of the year list, I always feel the need to like over explain and add a bunch of caveats, which is that like, (laughs) we are two individuals who do not read YA books solely for a living. I mean, obviously, we we do this podcast and we work in books and we work with YA books, but like, this is not the only thing that we do. So Mm -hmm. um, we're not like proclaiming these are the best books of the year or like the only books that you should read. Just you know, these are each of us picked out four books that we really, really, really liked this year and that we want to talk about. And I'm sure both of us have like a mile long list of YA books that came out this year that we would have liked to have gotten to, but we haven't gotten to everything. And exactly. also, yeah, we're just two different people. So, you yeah, know, we're, we don't speak for all of YA. Um, so that said, if your favorite book is not on the show, it's not because. We're snubbing it. It's because... We did it on purpose. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) we, yeah, yeah, no, no. We we did not do it on purpose, but, like, we also might not have read it, and, yeah. So I always feel the need to explain that because I don't want anybody's feelings to get hurt. Yeah. No, people's feelings will get hurt. They get hurt often on... um... Yeah, you just see it, like, with lists, like, oh, the best of, and people are like, well, you didn't put da 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 Yeah. So, therefore. And I know sometimes, like, it's hard for authors, too, to feel like, oh, you know, my book didn't make any of the yeah. lists. And, um, like, that sucks. I don't want people to feel bad about, like, yeah. you know, like, your book was probably somebody's favorite book, and you, like, but they just don't have a platform to shout about it, and yeah. it's, it's hard to, you know feel like your book isn't getting the recognition that other people's books are so but everybody also always wants to know like what are the best books that you read this year what are Mm -hmm. your favorite books so that's why we're going to tell you about them exactly well said yes (laughs) so do you want to kick us off yes i will start with a thousand steps into night by tracy chi this is one i've mentioned at least once maybe a couple times on the show at this point and as I'm sure listeners and you, Tirza, you know, I love science fiction and fantasy YA. And this one takes place in a, like an alternate, like, I don't know if I wouldn't say alternate, actually. It's like a J- Japanese inspired country that has like the mythology and lore and everything of Japan come to life, basically. It follows Muiko who is an ordinary girl. Um, She lives with her father. Her mother is wherever her mother is. I don't know. Her mother never made an appearance. She's trifling. So she's not in the picture. So um, she works with her father in their inn. And she, you know, tries to be like a good daughter to her father. Her father is like kind of progressive for the time. I would say this takes place probably like 17, 1800s. The exact time is not given, but anyway, Um, She lives in this very quiet, kind of dilapidated town. And one day she comes across this demon that this like brightly colored blue demon that kisses her and it starts to make her turn into a demon. And the change is very gradual. It starts like on her arm or something like that. She starts to turn this brilliant blue color like the demon that kissed her. And she gets shunned by her town's like clergyman or whatever. And then her father too doesn't recognize her. And he like banishes her to, you know, just out, outs her. So she goes on this quest to cure herself of this demoning as it were. And 
she goes into the kind of like the more magical world. Cause before, like I said, she was living this kind of ordinary life, like an ordinary life of an innkeeper's daughter. And so now she's plunged into the magical world and she comes across more demons and mythical beasts and creatures and enchanted things. And she gets this <laughs> befriends this magpie who is definitely the comic relief of the story. He's very funny. And um, so she goes on this like epic fantasy quest to cure herself of her, her demon to stop turning into a demon, basically. What she finds, though, which is interesting, that women in the magical world, like female demons and other women in the magical world, are treated more fairly than they are in the non-magical world. And she starts to kind of want that for herself or like not she's not sure that she necessarily wants to go back yet. So that's an interesting thing that develops because you're like, will she, won't she? go back to her, you know, ordinary, regular life. Because not only are women treated more fairly in the magical world, but she's also powerful. Like she, like physically is powerful. And people <laughs> either respect her because of, just because they do, or they respect her because they're scared of her. So she's like, I don't know if I want to give this up yet. So there's some great feminism in here. Um, and this was just like a lot of fun. I feel like if you like like Miyazaki movies, I feel like you could vibe with this. But yeah, I had a lot of fun reading it. I listened to the audiobook. The audiobook was great. And so I definitely recommend picking it up. Also, the cover is stunning. Love it. It is, again, A Thousand Steps Into Night by Tracy Chi. Awesome. My first pick is, since we've already hinted at it, The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School by Sonora Reyes. And it is the story of a teenage girl named Yami who suddenly finds herself headed to Catholic school along with her younger brother. Um, her younger brother has gotten into some trouble at their public school. Their mom wants to um, send them to Catholic school because she hopes it'll be a better environment for Yami's little brother. She's going to go and with him and kind of keep an eye out on eye, eye out for him but the big to do is that she is closeted she's queer she's told pretty much no one except for her former best friend who immediately tried to out her and has been awful to her ever since so she's intending to just go to catholic school play it straight you know try to keep her head down and just get through it but of course she meets another girl named Bo and Bo is like funny and outspoken and she's bold and she is very openly queer and she's always challenging the catholic school um, norms and and practices and uh, you know, she's the type of person who's like arguing for abortion and talking about queer rights in the Catholic school. Teachers are just like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to deal with this. And so <laughs> Yami is very much intrigued by, by this girl and wants to get to know her even better. Um, but she's pretending to be straight. And so, of course, it's hard to, um, you know, be open and honest about who she is and what she wants because she has a very real fear that if she comes out, her mom will reject her and so yeah it's just a really 
solid, funny, heartfelt, interesting contemporary novel. I also appreciated that it felt like a more of an update from like your typical like, oh, what if my parents won't accept me if I come mm. out? Because like, obviously, you know, that's still very much a valid concern that a lot of teenagers deal with yeah. even now in 2022. But sometimes the way books have approached it, it feels a little bit dated. But this yeah. is like definitely more of a refreshing look at that. And, and you know, Yami's situation is very specific. And that kind of helps build like the reality um, of her world. And, you know, so this is a book that is a bit heavy in times because it mm. does deal with like the fear of parental rejection, a lot of internalized homophobia. And um, there's also some mental health talks of suicide. So just um, be aware going into this that it does deal with some heavy topics. But overall, um, it is not a tragic book. It is very wonderful. And I loved it so much. And it was a National Book Award finalist. So it is The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School by Sonora Reyes. Awesome. Okay, so the next one I have is not one... Like, when I put this on here, I realized I was like, hmm, this isn't one that came out in 2022, but it's one that I read in 2022 that I really liked. Came out at the, well, came out at the end of 2021, but it is Who the F Are You by Huda <laughs> Fami. <laughs> exactly. Brilliant title. Um, I, this is so, this is so funny. I love this. It's like. I okay, so let me let me let me tell you what it is first. I've talked about it once before, but it is about teen girl Huda, whose family just moved to a small town in Michigan that has a big Muslim population, and Huda has always distinguished herself from other people because she's Muslim and she wears a hijab. But in this new town in Michigan, everybody is the you know quote the hijabi girl, so she doesn't really stand out. So. It's interesting because it's like, I guess, a a form of tokenism. Like, that's how she defined herself. But now that she's amongst other people from her culture, she can't define herself like that anymore. So it's interesting. Like, she has to basically, like, figure out who she is and stuff like that. And in doing so, she, you know, she befriends other hijab-wearing girls and other students there. And she's learning to fit in and stuff. She also deals with um, Islamophobia from teachers. It's a hot mess, let me tell you. And there are some really funny, like, pop culture references. I wish I had written some down just to share, but it's, like, super funny. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it is, this is, like, such, I was not expecting it to be, like, funny, funny. Because, you know, sometimes, like, when, when books, and maybe even movies, whatever, are, are, sold or promoted as funny it's not always like funny it's sometimes it's like oh okay yeah i got a little like all right that was it's cute. like we're laughing so we don't cry or, yes yeah <laughs> exactly and i'm like no this was actually funny and when i was reading this i think because I, I was reading it on libby or something so i didn't have the physical book in my hand i looked up and the book was over and i was like what i read it in like one sitting <laughs> and i didn't even realize it's all oh i should say it's a graphic novel um, so this was so this was so funny, and I hope this becomes like a series or something. But it's realistic in the th- the struggles that she's struggling with, like you know, identity, figuring out who she is. She even kind of like betrays her mom at one point. Her mom is standing up for her at school, 
and she chooses the path of least resistance, basically. And I'm like, ooh, ah, you know, like, um, what is that word? It's like when you f- when you feel cringe for someone else and it's just painful for you to look at even. Yeah, like yeah. secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> yes, that's the word. I'm like, there's a phrase for it. Thank you. Thank you, Tirza. Exactly. Yes. I was like, ooh, girl, ooh, ah, that hurt me. <laughs> but it's like, I like that that is included because that's real for some people, you know? So it's real. It's funny. You will blink and read it all in like one sitting. So... That's Who to F Are You by Huda Fami. Definitely pick it up. It's so much fun. Yeah, I read that recently and it is great. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed the humor. My the Michiganer Michigander in me does have to say, um, mm. Dearborn is not really a small town. It's like a suburb oh. of Detroit. <laughs> um, oh really? No, like know. it's like a, it's like one of those suburbs like around Detroit, um, between Detroit and Ann Arbor. But um so it's actually like pretty like more of like a metro area than like a you know, small town-ish area, but it's also like one of the largest um, populations of Muslim Americans in the entire country. So I would, yeah, I would not describe that as a small town. Like I've never been to Michigan, but I mean, I know of Detroit, I would not describe a Detroit suburb as small. Yeah, they're, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I've I've been to Dearborn a lot and Mm I, it's like the population is like in like it's over a hundred thousand. So yeah. But anywho, I just like that was like my one thing where I'm like, Ooh. but um because <laughs> I'm from Michigan and I, I'm I'm so defensive of Michigan because people say, well <laughs> people say mean things about Detroit all the time. And yeah. I'm always like, hey, who's talking about Detroit like who's that? Who's talking about Detroit? I'm not even from Detroit, that. but I'm always Jesus. I'm always over here like mm mm mm. Um, and also fun fact Dearborn's Mm. home to the largest mosque in the United States so what that's cool I did not know that yeah so it's giving it's giving at most at least middle town not small town at least middle town if not semi kind of big town so like I'm from I like I the largest town I've ever lived in is like ten thousand. So when you tell me that like it's a city of like a hundred thousand, I'm like, whoa, so huge. You probably oh, have like town. five gro- <laughs> you probably have like five grocery stores at least, you know. <laughs> oh wow, you've the the you said the largest town you've lived in is has uh, had ten thousand. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, that's yeah. That's cool. I mean, sure. If you're into that type of thing. I mean, I'm joking. I like living in small towns, but like, it's not all small towns are made equally. So definitely. Yeah, I think I think like, I've lived in New York City. So that would that might be like, but then it's like that New York City is is so by itself. That's like, you can't even really compare things to it. Because like, there aren't any cities like that, really. It is literally an island unto itself. (laughs) Honestly, it truly is. But yeah, it's weird. I mean, based on what you're saying, it's weird that they describe it as small town. But thank you for clarifying. Yeah. If I have, I will direct all my future Michigan questions to you, too. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh, man. Thank you for your service. <laughs> Happy to help. Yes. Uh, so, anywho, I'm going to move on to my next pick, which is <laughs> Scout's Honor by Lily Anderson, which I feel like, didn't I just talk about this book? I don't care if I did. But it's fun. I read that it's one, too. So it's so good. much fun. Yes. I yes. love the cover. The oh. cover is fantastic. I mean, like. They should make 
a graphic novel out of it, but like with the cover art, wouldn't that be so cool if it was like the same art as the cover? Yes. 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 Or like a spinoff. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, (laughs) So I'll tell you how awesome this book is and then you can go read it and then join us in wanting this. But it is about Prue, who is living in this like world where there is this organization called Ladybird Scouts. And they are kind of like Girl Scouts on the outside. But the secret to the Ladybird Scouts is like they are actually sworn protectors of humanity from these interdimensional beings that like pop into our universe to feed on human emotions and like usually in a bad way not in a good way in a total bad way and if they feed and get strong enough they will kill humans so therefore prue and uh is part of the the ladybirds and they are like going around secretly killing these beings these they're like grubs i think is what they call them so three years before the start of the book Prue was a scout in training. They had just gotten her basically like past all of the levels and got all the badges to be able to go out hunting for these grubs on their own. When they came across a grub that was far larger than what they could handle and her best friend was killed. Um, So this was obviously like seriously traumatic for her. And she handled it by being like, oh, I'm done. Like I'm not going to like sacrifice myself for the Ladybird Scouts anymore understandably understandably however it is like an organization that is very insular and they were kind of like what the heck you're just quitting and she's like yeah i quit and so fast forward three years later she's quit she has like found her own social group of like people who are um no idea that these grubs exist and she can still see them but she just wants to forget it all when her mom who which by the way she's a legacy scout so her mom and her aunt are also scouts as well and her mom and her aunt are like we need you to train the next round of scouts because we have a scout shortage and she's like "Mm -mm, don't want to do it and they were like no you have to and also she figures out that if she does this then she might be able to find a way to get this special tea that helps her forget Mm. that the scouts and the the grubs um like she can just kind of like not see them anymore and that's what she wants um so she throws herself into training She's training two 13-year-old girls. One is her younger cousin. One is the younger sister of her very oblivious boyfriend who does not know any of this is happening, which is awkward and complicated. And then one is accidentally one of her friends who discovers the secret and is like, oh, dude, I want in. Um, And so she is training them. And she's also dealing with her own grief, her own guilt and shame over what happened three years earlier. And also just like the idea of like, how do you train girls like young innocent girls to basically become protectors of humanity and you expect them to be hard and tough and like what they do is hard and it's traumatic and like they also need to feel their feelings and so it is like the chosen one sort of tropes but like also with emotional sensitivity and nuance and so I'm just really impressed with Lily Anderson for writing this really kick-butt story about strong girls who also feel their feelings. And so there's, you know, a balance. You get both ends. Yeah. And that is kind of like the point of this book, too, is, you know, how do you be strong and do what needs to be done while also holding on to your soft parts and your humanity? Um, so I loved it so much. I love everything Lily Anderson writes, but this one was really excellent. It might be my new favorite by her. And it is Scout's Honor. Yeah, I felt like, I mean, I guess this is the point. 
I felt like in that one, everyone in the scouts was like, most everyone in the scouts was like super mean and cold. Like her mom was like mean. Her aunt was super mean. Her other scouts that were, she was with like her first troop she was with or whatever. I felt like they were super mean. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, geez, y'all like y'all don't have feelings, but I guess, I guess that's par for the course. I guess they have to steal themselves against that. And I felt like it was like, I don't know if I'm overthinking, but like kind of a, like an analogy for women having to, you know, like take care of everyone before they take care of themselves type of thing. Emotionally anyway. Yeah, I think like everybody in this story was like trained to be really hardcore and and to see any sort of like sign of like, no, I don't want to do this or I'm going to quit or I'm going to back off like, oh, you're just weak. Like you can't handle it. But, you know, we're hardcore. And the nice thing about this book is it's about finding balance. That's true. Yes. Great fun. It would also make a great little adaptation graphic novel or show just saying you know yes i would watch the heck out of a show i would watch the ever-living heck out of it it'd be so much fun the little with their little outfits and stuff and their (laughs) their weapons um yes so i'm going to get into my third book uh right after we hear from a sponsor today's episode is brought to you by the dial press publishers of the prospects by katie hoffman The pressure cooker of minor league baseball leads to major chemistry in this exhilarating, sexy, and triumphant Rivals to Lovers debut romance. Gene Ionescu is the first openly trans player in professional baseball. He has nearly everything he's ever let himself dream of. That is, until Luis Estrada, Gene's former teammate and current rival, gets traded to the Beavers. Now, Gene and Louise can't manage a civil conversation off the field or a competent play on it, but in the close confines of dugout benches and roadie buses, they begrudgingly rediscover a comfortable rhythm. As the two grow closer, the tension between them turns electric and their chemistry spills past the confines of the stadium. So this is one of the first adult rom-coms published by a major publishing house centering a gay trans man by a gay trans man. It also has ADHD and anxiety representation and some joyful, heartfelt moments. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to The Dial Press, publishers of The Prospects by KT Hoffman for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Horizon, publisher of Walk, Ride, Paddle. Walk, Ride, Paddle is a captivating memoir of Senator Tim Kaine's physical journey through the Virginia wilderness, but it is also a unique and ultimately optimistic perspective on these pivotal moments in history, offering inspiration, wisdom, and hope. With immediacy and honesty, Kane pulls back the curtain to reveal his inner thoughts during such monumental times. And Kane's storytelling gift and wise observations offer a fascinating glimpse into the mind of a seasoned politician and outdoor enthusiast. Walk, Ride, Paddle is available everywhere audiobooks are sold on April 9th. It is narrated and written by Tim Kaine, Virginia senator and former Democratic vice presidential candidate. It's a compelling account of one man's journey across hundreds of miles of Virginia wilderness and a moving testament to the optimistic spirit of America. So make sure to check out Walk, Ride, Paddle by Tim Kaine. And thanks again to Harper Horizon, publisher of Walk, Ride, Paddle, for sponsoring this episode. So my third book is A Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Sulin Tun. And this is this like wonderful fantasy that is inspired by Chinese mythology. 
And this is a story I was not familiar with, actually, as part of Chinese mythology. So it was really cool to learn about it. And the lore that it was retelling is the legend of Shang-Yi, the Chinese moon goddess. And here, Xingyin grows up on the moon with her mother uh, because her mother has been exiled, basically, for stealing an elixir of immortality. She's been exiled by the celestial emperor. So... She's used to solitude. It's just like her, her mom, and their assistant, and they live on the moon, and they look down on people. Not down like in a condescending way. They look down on people literally because they're on the moon, and they when they look at people, <laughs> they're below them. So one day, she disobeys her mother's... Um, her mother tells her... I forgot the details, actually. It's in the very beginning of the book, so it's not a spoiler. But she disobeys her mother, and she ends up using some of her magic that she didn't even know that she had. And this sends kind of like it's felt in the celestial kingdom and the kingdom sends people out to like check out to make sure that her mother is alone. And this sets off Xingyin's journey. Basically she has to stay hidden from the emperor because she's not really supposed to exist and if she gets found out, her mother could be punished. She could be punished or worse. So she sets out to basically like win favor, win the celestial emperor's favor in order to free her mother from her exilement and imprisonment on the moon, basically. So she gets to the celestial kingdom and it's, it's interesting because there's magic there it's like, this is like a partial, partially like a magic adventure story, but also there's also some like court intrigue and, you know, like with court stuff, there's always like someone thinks they're better lady, this and that. And the third thinks she's better than this one. Someone stabbing somebody in the back. There are secrets, all that good juicy stuff. So there's that. And um, also she comes to work with, basically alongside the emperor's son and people don't know who she is. So she has to basically like master archery and magic and things and stuff like that and things and stuff like that. Excellent turn of phrase, Erica. She has to, (laughs) she has to um, master those things with him because she gets chosen as his, companion and he's learning those things so it's just like a a thing in the empire where the prince has a companion that he chooses to learn these things with and as you might imagine maybe some other things start (laughs) to develop between them perhaps and doing all this she has to maintain this um you know story that she's made for herself conceal who her mother is and all that stuff. And eventually she starts going on these other quests in order. It's all to free her mother. So there are so many, like, it's just a fun, it's a fun ride. Um, like I said, they, they go across, you know, different lands and they come across these different like mythological beasts and stuff like that. There's a love triangle. <laughs> and I will say too, like, I've read a lot of fantasy and adventure and stuff, and this still feels fresh. Like I said, I, for me, I was unfamiliar with the legend of Shangi. 
So that was cool for me to learn. But also there's something about it that like, I felt like it wasn't super predictable. Some things that I thought would happen, Sulin Tun was like, ah, nope, not going to happen. <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel like the rug got snatched up from under me. But it, of course, it made me want to keep reading. So I love this one. It was a lot of great fun. The second one is out now. I haven't read it yet, but I am excited to. I believe this is a, yes, a duology. So it's just the two books, but it is super fun. Um, and this, again, is Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Sue Linton. Nice. Um, my next pick is another contemporary book, and it is actually a companion novel to one of my favorite books of last year. It is A Scatter of Light by Melinda Lowe. And it is the companion to Last Night at the Telegraph Club, which you've probably heard of if you're listening to a YA podcast because it won all the awards and is super fantastic. So A Scatter of Light is... Okay, I'm going to say this up front. It is a contemporary novel. It takes place in 2012, 2013. Um, No, it takes place in 2013. But I insist that it is a contemporary novel because it's... Cannot be historical. I, I agree. <laughs> and if we both agree, gosh darn it, it's fact. That is yes. contemporary. Don't talk <laughs> historical fiction where? Not here. Period. It needs, it needs to like wait a second before yes. it can be historical fiction. It was only five minutes ago. 2013 right? was only five minutes ago. That's a fact. I have like very vivid memories of 2013. Yes. So, um, Same. And uh, yes, so anywho, it is set in 2013. It is about Aria, who is just graduated from high school. She's a teen girl who has also unfortunately been on the, well, I was about to say receiving it, but she's been the victim of somebody taking photos of her without her consent and circulating them, which, um, yeah, yuck. Um, And she really doesn't kind of know how to feel about it because a lot of everybody in her life is basically blaming her for it. Mm. And um, she, you know, that would happen without her consent. And she personally did not know how to deal with it. So she just kind of pretended it never happened and never confronted the person who did it. But um, it basically marred all of her summer plans because now um, she is being sent to go um, live with her grandmother for the summer. And so she's really bummed about missing out on her fun summer plans. But at the same time, she loves her grandmother. Her grandmother is this sort of famous artist and she lives in California. Aria's from Boston. And so she gets to spend um, the summer with her grandmother in um, Marin County. And she is really close to San Francisco. And it's like a whole new world for her, especially because this is, um, you know, around the time that same sex marriage is legalized in California. And so she meets Steph, her grandmother's gardener, who is um, openly queer and in a relationship with another girl and um, is only a couple of years older than Aria. And they immediately just include Aria in their social group. And so this is the first time that Aria has really hung out with a lot of people who are queer. And it's really eye-opening for her. And then she slowly realizes throughout the course of the summer, like, oh, whoops, I might also be queer. And she has this giant crush on Steph. Um, and she's figuring out her identity. She's also kind of figuring out 
you know, her, her identity within her family and she's exploring her artistic side. She's always been very scientifically minded. She's headed to MIT in the fall, but hanging out with her grandmother makes her want to just kind of play around with art. And as her summer goes on and she is playing around with art and trying to figure out her identity, she's also really, really, really drawn to Steph. And Steph seems to be drawn to her. They have this electric attraction, but the big problem is Steph is with somebody and that causes some complications. So that is all I will say about that. But I really love the book. I think what Melinda Lowe does really well, um, she did it really well in this book and she did it really well in Last Night at the Telegraph Club, is she shows the progression of um, somebody who like either feels different or or doesn't realize that they are queer until all of a sudden something clicks and then it's like a slow realization, a slow build until all of a sudden they're like, oh yes, this is who I am. And Melinda Lowe does such a good job of displaying those moments. And I, I just loved it. I thought it was really good. Um, it also probably didn't hurt that in 2013, I was not much older than staff who is yeah. um, 20 21 22 in the book um i was not much older than staff in tw- 2013 so also the time period felt very realistic to like my own you know early 20s mm-hmm. um and so i really identified with this book a lot but i think even if you don't have like that personal connection it's such a beautifully written book i think i might like it even better than last night at the telegraph club and i love that book so that's saying a lot but that is a scatter of light by melinda Lowe. awesome Awesome, awesome. The last one I have to mention is The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. And if you listen to our book club episode, you will know that this is the one we discussed during that. And I really liked it. It was a lot of, I was going to say fun. Is fun the right word? (laughs) I don't know if fun is the right word, but it was really good. It's a retelling of uh, Stephen King's Carrie But with so many other, I mean, there are a lot of things that are different from Carrie. I haven't read Carrie, but I I know the basics of it. Basically, it's about a girl in in this small Georgia town. I'm assuming this town is actually small. It seems like it is. And her name is Maddie. She's mixed. Her father is white. Her mother is black. And um, but she's passing, meaning that no one else really knows that she's has mixed heritage because she straightens her hair and she makes sure to like not let it like revert back to its natural texture. She stays out of the rain. She doesn't sweat all of that stuff. And so one day it gets found out that, well, she is all was always very meticulous about checking the forecast to make sure she doesn't get caught out in the rain. And she did, but this time the weather surprised her. So she gets caught out and people see her hair at high school, at her high school, and they're like, oh, you're black. Okay. And they start teasing her. She was already very, let's say, kind of mousy, very quiet, just like no confidence, very shy. And she was already thought to be like weird and stuff like that. Doesn't Didn't really have friends. So this just made all of that worse. So the bullying gets worse. Um, someone records it and the school goes viral for bullying a black girl. And so in efforts to kind of clear up the school's image, some of the students think to have an integrated prom because, oh, by the way, their proms 
of the proms at this high school are not integrated, which is why there are more than one. There's a white prom and a black prom. And so in order to kind of save the image of the high school, because uh, people want to go to college after and they don't want to be, they don't want to come from the high school that's known to be like super racist in 2022 or whatever. So like, all right, let's have a prom. And the girl, Wendy, whose idea this was, she basically offers up her boyfriend, who is another black kid, and he's like the star football player. She suggests that Maddie goes with him to the prom, to the new integrated prom or whatever. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Everything could go wrong. (laughs) Everything goes wrong. And one thing I liked about I listened to this partially on audiobook and I really liked how Tiffany Jackson, she has some of the stories told like through the podcast. There's a podcast that's covering the incident at Springville High or whatever. I forgot what the high school is called. Yeah, Springville High, I believe. It's covering the incident at Springville High, like from the first chapters. And so you already know that there's a tragedy, like everyone dies. You know that from the jump. But it starts to, as the book goes on, it is bringing in evidence. They're interviewing witnesses and stuff like that. I like that element. And I liked with audiobook how they had people voicing different different characters. Kind of felt like, like a show or something. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I just really like this one. It was really yeah. good. I loved it too. If, if you hadn't talked about it, it probably would have been on my list as well. Yeah. I forgot because I forgot to, I was um, in, when I was making um, the list, compiling the list of books I was going to talk about today, I had to look through my Goodreads because I always forget. I'm like, what did I read this year? Had to look through. And I had forgotten to put this one, to log this one. And then I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, wait, I really like that one. So let me mention it. Yeah. I like the magic, like the little, her magic or whatever, which I don't think that's a spoiler again. Like we know that that's from Carrie. I mean, yeah. So, but it was great. It's great. And there's also the the mystery of like who her mother was, where did her Mm -hmm. power come from? Where is her mother? Is her mother dead or alive? It's awesome. It's great. Tiffany Jackson does social commentary so well. It's, it's always nuanced. I feel, and there are different, there are different angles to look at. And I feel like she looks at different people, like, with you know, like the character of Wendy, like, you know, mm-hmm. and her boyfriend, I forgot his name, Ken or something. I forgot. But it was great. I really liked it. Again, that is The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. Yeah. All right. My last pick is, it's kind of like a twofer because I realized that... I read a lot of backlist YA books this year. A lot of books that came out last year. Yeah. And then I read some sequels that came out this year. So you're going to get a two for one. So what (laughs) I, one of my favorite books that I read this year that is a 2021 release is All Our Hidden Gifts by Caroline O'Donoghue. And then the sequel, The Gifts That Bind Us, came out this year. And I immediately, like, I rarely do this because I usually buy, like, indie. And I was reading it and I was actually traveling. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I need the sequel now. And I was nowhere near a bookstore. So I ordered it. 
copy from Amazon and had two day shipping. So that I was such a it. big disclaimer, Tearson. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're like, I never do this. And I'm like, where'd she go oh, with this? I never do this. I needed it. Amazon. I needed oh, it. The shame. I know. I know. The shame. The shame. <laughs> you can shame me later, but it was so good. I have no regrets. So, yes, All Our Hidden Gifts is about an Irish teenager um, named Maeve who um, is not really great at school. She sometimes gets in trouble and she goes to this Catholic school and she's in the basement of her Catholic school um, cleaning out the basement closet as detention. And she finds this tarot deck and she's very intrigued by it. And she starts teaching herself how to read tarot. Um, and she finds that she's like really good at it. Like she has this really great knack for picking it up. And so then, of course, like she goes to Catholic school. All of the girls are like dying for entertainment. And so she starts giving readings to all of the girls in her school. And another girl that um, she's not really friends with, but they become friends over the course of this book. She sees an investment opportunity and she's like, why, why give these away for free? You should be charging here i'll find you clients you give me a cut and then like you know you'll make money yeah Uh, you know true entrepreneurship right there so this is what they're doing but of course like the problem is like eventually they run out of clients because it's a small catholic girls school and one day um Maeve is kind of annoyed and she is in class with her ex-best friend, Lily. And she kind of dumped Lily because Maeve desperately wanted to be popular and do new and exciting things. And Lily's kind of the weird kid. Like, she's like that weirdo misfit. And Maeve said some things that she now regrets to her and their friendship unraveled. And so they have this sort of confrontation where basically everybody in her their class is like, you've given a reading to everybody. And it's like everybody but Lily. And Lily is just like, I don't care about your silly tarot. And, and Maeve's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give you a reading. And <laughs> as she's giving her, it's like so high school and so realistic. And that's why I yeah. loved it. Yeah. And so as she's giving her this reading, she pulls a card that she does not recognize. This card does not like belong in a traditional mm. tarot deck. It's the housekeeper card. Mm. And immediately she's like, Lily's like, what's that? And and Maeve's like, I don't, I don't know. And she tries to play it off. But then the next day, they she finds out that Lily disappeared. And Ooh. the last person to see Lily saw her, like, leave her house in the middle of the night and follow a woman down the street. A woman who looks a lot like the illustration of the housekeeper card. <gasps> dun, dun, and dun. so, yeah. So basically, Maeve is like, oh, crap. Because <laughs> she knows that, like, it is connected to the card. But she doesn't know how it's connected to the card. And it's not like she can go to Lily's parents or the police and be like, this is what happened. Because nobody would believe her. So she actually ends up teaming up with Lily's sibling, who's non-binary, to try and find out what happened to her. But she's also trying to figure out, like, what is the connection between the cards and the housekeeper and Lily disappearing. And she discovers that she is sensitive to magic in, in an interesting way. So that is the first book. It is super awesome. Um, the second book picks up where the first book leaves off. And I mean, to tell you about it would like give you a bunch of spoilers for the first book. But mm. just know that it's super excellent. Has some like really interesting um, plots. Like both books are like solidly... Um, like they stand on their own. They have really excellent plots. I enjoyed them so much. The, like one of the villains, like not the only villain, but like one of the villains in these books is 
an American conservative Christian group that's okay. super anti-queer. And I am laughing because I'm oh, like, oh, yeah. God, it's so realistic. But, like, yeah. And, like, all these Irish teens are like, what the heck? Like, why is this American conservative Christian group coming and, like, evangelizing in our small Irish town? But I'm like, yep, that tracks. I mean, that, that feels very makes, realistic. I mean, that is very, yep. <laughs> so, I mean, we are living in a timeline where that is our, our enemy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's. Yeah, I just accept that. So I really enjoyed this book a lot. It is, well, the first book is um, All Our Hidden Gifts. And then the sequel, The Gifts That Bind Us, came out this year. Just as excellent. Definitely pick it up. Pick them both up. The third book Mm. comes out in 2023, and I can't wait. Exciting. Yeah, Yeah, I keep meaning to read that one, too. I might read that over the holiday, actually. Yeah, do it. I'm so excited. That sounds like I like a little mystery, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's what I liked about it. You get it's like it's not like a I won't classify it as a mystery novel, but it does have a bit of a mystery to it, and there's a lot of a lot of fun stuff going on. I think we discussed this before. I looked up the audiobook, and I think the it's the narrator speaks with an Irish accent, which is just oh, excellent. Chef's kiss, yes, love it. Perfect, awesome. Well. Those are some of our favorite books that we read in 2022. And we could keep talking about like all the YA books that we read in 2022 Mm -hmm. because we love them. But unfortunately, we cannot because we're out of time and we're also tired. So (laughs) I'm sick. (laughs) Sick and tired. (laughs) Not of books, not of podcasting, but just, you know, life. So. Thank you so much for tuning in and please feel free to leave us feedback on the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify because it helps let us know how we're doing and it helps other people to find us. And you can always email us at heyya@bookriot.com with your recommendations, requests, and feedback. Don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters, more podcasts, and all things bookish. Thank you so much to our sponsors and thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I hang out at, at Tears of Price. How about you, Erica? At Twitter, on Twitter rather, at Erica underscore easy underscore for now, as I always <laughs> say. <sighs> just, Twitter. just, yeah. Yeah. You know how to find us, but if you uh, don't find us online, you can see us back in two weeks when we will be back with our first episode of 2023 and it's going to be most anticipated books so it'll be a fun one super fun until then happy reading happy reading